Welcome, Thrive Community Church, here and online. Um, yeah, they call me Coach. I am Gene Carter. Uh, but they call me Coach for a really good reason. Uh, back in the 1900s, <laughs> when I was coaching, we were with a group of kids, and I was playing basketball when I played basketball. And my wife was calling, Gene, Gene, Gene. I never heard her. <clears throat> Probably reinforces that thing where she says, you never listen to me. <laughs> anyway, she was saying, Gene, Gene, Gene. And finally she said, coach. And I stopped and turned around. And that day, I was coach. Now my grandkids call me Papa Coach. <laughs> so it's a little hard to go back now because that's all they know. Uh, I'm so honored to be here this morning. Uh, I was asked by your pastor and Nathan, and, and uh, we all know where he is, um, and he's probably watching to make sure that everything is okay. So everything's okay. Okay, and uh, I'm here to continue the series that he started a couple of weeks ago, Reconnect. And hopefully you were here a couple of weeks ago uh, reconnect with your spouse. And then there was last week, reconnect with your kids. And today I'm here to share reconnect with God. This upcoming uh, week, next Wednesday, I'll be celebrating an anniversary. Uh, it'll mark the 38th year since I was run over by a two and a half ton Ford truck, uh, Ford uh, tractor. Now I could leave it there and you could wonder about that the rest of the service. So I'm thinking perhaps I need to explain a little bit. I was the head baseball coach at Castleberry High School in Fort Worth and was uh, looking forward to the baseball season as always, the spring. And uh, as per our usual tradition, it was customary for the players and the coaches to go out and prepare the baseball field. It was a small school, so we had a dirt infield, and we shared it with the elementary school. So the grass would grow up and the weeds would grow up, and we'd have to go out there in the spring and clear it all out. And I'll say the boys weren't really excited about it, but they did bring their rakes and their garden tools. And I went and got the tractor from the bus barn from the school district. And so we were all ready to have a day of work and pre prepare for the season this way. So um, let's just say it didn't quite turn out the way we expected it to. Uh, I had made the assignments. There was two major projects. One was to clear off the, the field, digging up the weeds and doing all that stuff. And one was repairing the backstop, which was kind of chain link and that kind of thing. So I made the assignments and I told the boys, this is what you're going to do. I was going to drive the tractor. On the back of the tractor was an aerator. And I was going to dig up the dirt, make it a little easier. They were going to rake it out with their rakes. Before I got that hardly out of my mouth. There was a young man, a great young man. His name is Clint Robertson. Uh, Clint stepped up and he said, hey, coach, I can drive the tractor and I can turn up that dirt 
and you can work on the backstop. Before I had a chance to respond, he was already on the tractor, he already had it started, and he was already grinding the gears. Well, since he couldn't get it in gear or anything else, I stepped up between him and the rear tire, which was about five foot high or so, and it's pretty good size wide. And would you believe it? It engaged and it went, started turning, and it wedged my foot between that tire and the ground. And you know what a tire looks like. It looks like, I was thinking about this the other day, I was going, do I have to explain what an egg beater is? Uh, but it, it looks kind of like an egg beater, and it just kind of chews the dirt, and it pulls everything under. And... Uh, I figured right then I wasn't going to stop this tractor with my foot. It was just going to turn. So I looked at it, assessed this. I mean, you know, I'm really pretty quick. I assessed the situation immediately. I had two choices. The first choice was to lay back and perhaps break my ankle, and that'd be it, right? But the second choice became more appealing. I'm not really into pain. So I thought, there's a space between the rear tire and the differential, and it looked big enough that I'd fit. And it'll just roll over my foot, and everything will be all right. And so I opted for choice two. So as I lay there on the ground, thinking about where I'm going to go with my body, the wheel had other ideas. And it started turning and pulling and moving me under the tire. Well, uh, at this moment, Clint figured out how to uh, engage the, the clutch and pause the momentum of the tractor. And so the tire rested on my hip and my upper leg. And then he disengaged the clutch and continued to roll over the rest of my body and my head. At that moment, once the tire cleared my head, my immediate thought went to the aerator, which was attached to the back, which is basically a big barrel with spikes on it. I certainly didn't want this to poke holes in God's plan if this was his plan. And so what happened then is I rolled out of the way. I jumped up immediately. I looked at the ball team, and I say, I'm good. I really wasn't good. In fact, I couldn't feel anything on this side of my body. It's kind of like when somebody cuts off the circulation. You just can't feel anything. And I thought, I'm good. And I'm thinking, no, I'm not. And uh, other than a few cuts and bruises and some things, I had a big cut above my eye. And you know, head wounds, they don't really go well with keeping blood in your head. So all that to say, um, the guys... We're standing there, and I go, i got to say something. So I said, uh, look, guys, we're done for the day. Before I got those words out, they were gone. And so, except for a couple, they said, Coach, we need to call a hospital. We need to get an ambulance. And I said, no, it's okay. Let's not make a fuss. You know, I'm tough. And all this stuff. I just got run over by a two-and-a-half-ton tractor. And then Clint was able to pull the tractor off and stop it and park it. And he came over and he says, well, coach, I'll drive you to the hospital. 
And I said, Clint, you've done enough. <laughs> well, actually, uh, I started realizing that I, there was some blood flowing from my, my head. So I grabbed a dirty gym towel and I smashed it on my head. Well, it was affecting my visibility, but I was not going to let Clint drive. But I did have a four on the floor. You know, if y'all know what that is, okay. Anyway, so he had to shift the gears for me. And so we got in the car and then we drove to the hospital and he shifted the gears and just for the note, he grinded those gears as well. Okay, why do I say, share that story with you? It was a traumatic experience. It was a near-death experience. And it could have turned out so much worse. We don't know all the things that God does protect us from. But in that instance, a miracle happened. When I was trapped underneath that tire, I heard the Father's voice. He spoke to my spirit. We reconnected with each other that day. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, speak to us today. Amen. I like short prayers. Um, I was asked uh, what the title of this message was, and, and the only thing I could say is, draw near to me. Um, let's just say when you have a two and a half ton tractor on you, that's probably when you're going to draw near to God the most. I'm sure there's stuff that you're going through that's difficult to see where God is and all that. Let's go to James 4 and 8. I love this, by the way. This reminds me of drawing X's and O's. This is, this is the pregame right here. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. I really would have opted to keep out the second part, but you have a great pastor who says, no, it's all-inclusive here. We're not going to just pick and choose the things we like or we want, but we're going to choose what we need to hear. So as a result, as you look at that latter part, I looked it up in the message, and I think we've got that coming up. It says, instead of cleanse your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, it says, quit dabbling in sin and purify your inner life. In order for us to draw near to God, a lot of times we have to stop what we're doing. It doesn't mean there's condemnation. It just means stop. Stop it. Stop what you're doing and start doing something else. Uh, this whole thing is an exchange. Um, I was talking to my wife about a, a drill that I used to do as a football coach. I was a receiver coach, by the way. And I would throw these footballs at these young men's heads to get them aware of where the football was and to be prepared 
there's another football on the, on the way. And so I would throw them gentle in the spring, you know, in the spring, in the, in the two-a-days. I would throw them gentle. But the closer we got to football season, boy, I was throwing some hot rods. But I'd throw it at their heads so they would know that it's coming and they have their hands ready. They would catch the ball, then they would toss it because why? The another ball is coming. And so in order to receive a ball, what did they have to do? They had to catch it, but they also had to release the last ball. So as any releasing, you can receive. Isn't it in giving? Okay, just tying some things together. Sin does get us out of relationship with God. In fact, uh, it gets us in the ditch. <laughs> it gets us under a tractor. Uh, it gets us in a bad place of guilt and shame. And worst of all, it disconnects. I don't know about y'all, but I have a, uh, and I, 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 I'm a little leery of going down this road because I'm not that technological in the grasp of things because it's growing faster than I can keep up with. But I do have a couple of devices. I have some earphones and I have some earbuds and both of them tell me when I'm connected and when I'm disconnected. It's a sweet lady's voice. She goes, disconnected, connected. And this little voice keeps saying, okay, I'm out of range. I'm close to where I need to be. I'm out of range. I know where I'm supposed to be. So when we're disconnected, we're out of range. We need to get connected. And so um, scripture tells us a broken, contrite heart he will not despise. What does he honor? What does he bring to her? To say, come to me. Come to me, the broken. Come to me, the repentant. Come to me, the, the, the ones that need me. Draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. And so I'm so thankful that we have a father that is faithful with his arms wide open to say, come to me. Jesus said, come to me. Well, here's, here's uh, just an encouragement. You've got to step out of your stuff to step into his presence. Step out of your stuff and step into his presence. A lot of times we just wait on his presence and we're expecting his presence and we're going, God, when are you going to show up? And maybe all you got to do is move a couple of inches. All he's got to do is see your heart. Here's what I'm delighted to tell you, church. Thrive community. Y'all did well today. Good for you. You got yourself out of bed. You got yourself ready and you came to church this morning. That was your best decision today. To step out of yourself and say, I'm going to go and be with the Lord today. Well, you go, okay, how do I step out of my stuff? I've got three points. They must be ordained because that's what good pastors have is three points. They all start with the same letter, so it really is a great thing. The very first point is silence. It's in the silence that we can put away our distractions. I love the, just the ambiance and the, the feel and the presence of God in this place. Uh, it's no wonder Holy Spirit's here because you invite him. 
He's looking for a place to dwell. Pick me. You see my hand up? That's why we raise hands. Pick me. There are three or four distractions that I listed. Uh, Technology, work, people, and you. (laughs) Boy, technology, this is one that uh, tends to get a hold of me really quick. And it's mostly because it's got my, I have access to it and I can access it and do whatever I want to with it. And there's always people trying to reach me, talk to me, encourage me, text me, uh, call me, email me, you fill in the blank. And that's technology. And uh, it was come to enhance, it was made to enhance our life, but it's come actually become to rule our lives. And I'm not going to tell you it's wrong, because that's what a lot of pastors would teach you. It's wrong, it's wrong, it's wrong. It ain't wrong. What it is, is it takes away from him. And it can become an idol. What we do on our quest events is the first thing we ask you on a Sunday is to turn in your phone. Some of these guys are going, "Mm hmm. You would have thought it was a gun or something. No, you can't take it away. And there's actually a few that hide it. But we don't want to get legalistic about it. We just know that they're not going to hear the Father's voice unless they get off the phone and stop the other voices. Work. You know, work is a good thing. But it's good in its place. The workplace. It's a good thing to do, to go, to work, to work hard, to be tired, but then to leave it at the end of the day so that you can rest your soul. Because if you're always contemplating thinking, and, and you know, it also has a lot to do with the people that you work with, you know, those fussy, those people. And then, of course, that leads into the people thing. People, people are people. Let's just face it. People do what people do. Sinners sin, people do it. Problem is, we got to live with people. But I loved what was shared this morning for the team. Great word, by the way. Just love people. Love people. If you love them, then you don't have, you don't have places for anything else to come out. All that will come out of you is love. So just keep the love going. Get the love wherever you need to go. Fill up the tank with love and let the love be expressed through your life. And I think that that's a big part of this reconnect. Reconnect with your spouse. Where is your, where is your spouse in this? Well, it's got to be love. Where's your kids? You love your kids. I was singing that song, There's Nothing Better. But I got to tell you, if I was holding a little, little kid, I think that might be pretty close. I love little kids. And the last thing is you. What's on your mind, what's in your life, what keeps you from being all in and not distracted? Well, anything that's, of, that's in our mind is just clutter. And I have to remind myself every time that I sit down to really talk to the Lord, I have to remind myself this world has nothing for me. 
This world is just a bunch of clutter. It's a bunch of noise. It's a lot of bad news. It's a lot of stuff. I can get so downtrodden because I'm filtering all this stuff through me and then I'm trying to figure out how that fits with my relationship with God. I just have to cut it off. I'm sure you came to church this morning with some things on your mind. You're thinking about something. I did. I came with stuff on my mind. But I do know that the Father is drawing us to a place where we can experience him and his love. Stepping into the silence helps us step out of the distractions doesn't cure it it just helps us so i just encourage you to take a pause take a moment separate from the noise we must seek him in a quiet place you know i do believe that the, the father knows us best and he says you know seek me in the quiet place seek me where i can be found seek me for i'm here but you got to get out of the noise to get into the quiet place. Isaiah 32, 18 is a great scripture. My people will dwell in a peaceful habitation, in secure dwellings, and in quiet resting places. Well, let me just ask you a question. When I say peaceful habitation, what do you think about? Maybe it's a nice neighborhood. I don't know, that's what I thought of. Insecure dwellings. Maybe that's a brick house. How about a quiet, restful place? And East Texans know it best, the country. That's a really nice, quiet place. If we don't have peace, we will struggle with silence. Well, I want to make a distinction between peace and comfort. Because it does say peaceful habitation. It doesn't say comfortable habitation. Peaceful is not necessarily comfort. Can be, but it's not necessarily. Think of it this way. Comfort is when everything is good, everything is great, all things are lining up. You know, we're making yards on every down. We're making passes and they're complete. We're making touchdowns. We're doing all that stuff. We are comfortable. We have a comfortable lead. But peaceful is when you're settled in a relationship. The other team's bigger, stronger, faster. They're knocking us all over the place. We look at halftime and we're down by 20. That's not comfortable. But we can have peace in knowing who we are. And so if we know who we are, we can rest in the presence that God has for us. If we have peace, if we have comfort, we really won't pursue him. If we have peace, we're more likely to pursue him. Because if we wait till everything's comfortable, guess what's going to happen? It'll never happen. It'll never happen. Let this, let this scripture speak to you. This is the scripture that he spoke to me under a two and a half ton tractor. This is uh, Romans 8. 
For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, keep in mind I'm under the wheel of a tractor, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing. And that tractor was a thing. And it was created. Shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I didn't have my Bible. I didn't have my online Bible. And yet they didn't even have cell phones back in the 1900s. But the idea being... Holy Spirit spoke that to me in my greatest need, my greatest moment of need. Nothing can separate you. Another little tidbit that you need to think about, one of the, the big movies back in that time zone was The Elephant Man. And I thought, oh my, what am I going to do after this gets run over me? What am I going to look like? If we don't have peace, we won't. No silence. We won't pursue it. Uh, the second part of that says secure dwelling. And I noted that, you know, secure means firm foundation. And we sang that, Christ the foundation. We also, you know, look at bricks versus wood or whatever. No, secure dwelling is not a building. It's you. My people, secure dwelling. You guys are the dwelling place of the presence of God. You are a son of the Most High God. You are a daughter of the Most High God. You are a child of the Most High God. That's who you are. Identity comes from that security that I know, that I know, that I know that God has made me His. And He is mine. Think on this for a minute. What is the first lie the enemy comes to speak to you after you have sinned? This is what I hear. You're not saved. Child of God wouldn't act like that. Enemy wants to come to help you feel insecure. We have enough problems making our own selves feel insecure. But the enemy comes to help us to coax us into being insecure people, not knowing who we are. I'm just going to ask you, who are you? Child of God. Okay. Well, the enemy comes to steal our thoughts. He comes to kill our passion. And he comes to destroy our destiny. This is the battlefield right here. He comes to steal our thoughts. What does it say? Keep every thought captive to the mind of Christ. That's because the enemy's battling to steal it. Kills our passion. We no longer have a heart for God, a desire for God. And we just kind of give up on things. And it affects everyone around us. John 14, 17, 18. This is encouraging for me. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. The reason is it, it, 
is lost. The world is lost. It can't receive him because it doesn't know him, because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him. He dwells with you and he will be in you. There's that dwelling again. I love this. He says, I will come to you and not leave you orphans. I will come to you because you're my son and you're my daughter. I'm your father. I love Jesus because he gave me daddy. He gave me relationship with my father. Jesus came so I could have that relationship with my father. And then he sent the Holy Spirit to empower me to live this way in relationship with my father. It's really all about him. It's all about the father and the father's love. Finally, the quiet resting places for those who believe God. Hebrews 4 and 3. For we who have believed do enter that rest. As he has said, so I swore in my wrath that they shall not enter my wrath, my rest, although the works were finished from the foundations of the world. There is a rest, and it's for those that believe. There's an unrest for those that don't believe. That's about as black and white as you can put it. That's the truth. And so as a result, you have to understand that we are designed to believe and designed to rest, but we have to question and, and understand what we believe. Uh, even Jesus had to go away into the wilderness because of the weightiness of the ministry to the people. He had to go and take a break with God. He had to get what the Father had for him so that he could give that away. And that's the humanness of Christ. Christ himself had to draw away to regain strength. So through Christ, we understand that we have to draw near. Reconnect with God. Here's what's cool. Reconnecting is required. It's not, you don't reconnect because you're in the weeds or because you're a bad person. You reconnect because you need to reconnect. The world is messy. What Jesus did in the wilderness was reconnect with his heavenly father. So if Jesus had to do it, so do we. We have to reconnect. All right, so that was point number one. The next two aren't quite so long, but the first one was silence. The second thing is to sit. Along with silence, I must sit. Uh, dwelling in the peaceful habitation suggests that there is a place to sit. I actually live in Mineola, Texas, just down the road, about an hour. Uh, I have a beautiful backyard, and it's got these two huge oak trees. And they're both about 200 years old or so. They're big. They're huge. But I like to get my chair, go out, and just sit under them. Because it reaffirms Daddy had a plant that sprung up 
over 200 years ago to provide me an opportunity to be with him and just to sit in his presence. The Quest Life, uh, of which I am the director of the ministry, we own 200 acres in Quitman, which is a little further north. And this 200-acre ranch is a pretty big task to take care of, I will say. But it's beautiful. And uh, what we do is invite folks to come out there for five and a half days to sit in the presence of an almighty, loving daddy. Five and a half days. Well, I sit under a tree. You can go sit in the ranch. Here's the thing. You're saying, well, my life is busy. Coach, you don't know what I have to do. I have so many things on my life. I'm going to read this. There was a lady who lived back in the 1600s. She lived in very hard times. She had 19 children. All but, all but 10 died in infancy. She was left at home alone for long periods of time to take care of the house, school the children, work the gardens, and milk the cows. When she was young, she promised the Lord, for every hour that I spend in entertainment, I will give back to you in prayer. She had little time for entertainment or praying without many kids. She struggled to find a secret place to get away. She decided Instead, she would give the Lord two hours a day in prayer. So, she told her children that when they saw her with her apron over her head, that meant she was praying and not to disturb her. She was devoted to walk, her, walk with God and to pray daily and to also understand the, the word of God. Her name was Susanna Wesley, the mother of John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church, and Charles Wesley, the writer of over 9,000 hymns. Susanna wasn't going to let the enemy destroy her destiny. And you've heard about John and Charles Wesley, but have you heard about Susanna? Did you really need to hear about her? But you knew that those guys came from somewhere. So we need to sit and be still so that we can what? Draw near. Reconnect with God. Psalms 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Let me ask you this question. Why is it hard for us to sit still? I believe it's we don't really know who we are. If you knew who you were and whose you are, you would absolutely sit still. Intimacy with the Father is what he's asking you to do. 
This intimate relationship came to me when I was laying underneath a tractor. That intimate moment. Most folks that have intimacy with God have gone through a trial that when you thought you were at the end, he was just starting. And he met you. And he said, I'm here for you. And I will never leave or forsake you. Allowing the Father time and a place allows us to draw near. So be still. The last one is to seek. After we've found the silence from distractions and sit in a place that he's got designed for us, we can seek his voice. We hear many voices out there, and some are good and some are bad. But the only voice that will speak life to you is your father's voice. Your heavenly father's voice is the word of God spoken to you. If you find yourself frustrated, anxious, fearful, uh, worried about things, little or a lot, seek him. Matthew 6, 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things will be added. Jesus said, I come for life and life abundance. I'm in for the abundant life, guys. I don't want to get stuck just being saved. I want to walk it out. That's the coach in me, just kind of. God's presence is here along with his righteousness. So he brings the whole package. He brings his love, but he also brings righteousness to you. And then what does it say in Titus 3, 5? Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he has saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. I get the message. This is my first time. So what were my three points, if you can recall? Silence, sit, and seek. Let's do that. As uncomfortable as it might be with the worship team coming up, close your eyes. Father, you are good. Uh, your mercies, they endure forever. And they follow us all the days of our lives. All we have to do is slow down so they can catch up to us. Let us sit in your presence and receive your word today.